0: This is Kevin J. Anderson.
1: Hi, this is John Delancey, and you are very lucky to be listening to Sci-Fi Talk. This is Terry Goodkind, number one New York Times best-selling author of the Sword of Truth series.
0: This is Joseph Malazzi, former executive producer and writer on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. Presently, writer on Dark Matter.
2: Hello, this is David Franklin, Lieutenant, sorry, Captain Bracker from Farscape.
3: I'm Robert Chase Sir, the Hugo Award winning author of Flash Forward and WWW
0: Wake. Hi, this is Jamie Baumberg.
1: Hey, this is Katie Sackoff.
0: Hi, I'm Tom O'Pennockett. I play Hilo
4: on the hit television series Battlestar Galactica. And uh, you're listening
0: to Sci Fi Talk. Scene one, Apple Take Two. This is
1: John Billingsley. I play Dr. Flox on Enterprise. You are listening to the wonderful Sci Fi Talk. I heartily endorse your attendance. Listener, ever. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to my special on the new AMC series, Humans. From the creators of the MI5 British TV series comes a series about an alternate timeline where advances in artificial intelligence have made synths or synthetics commonplace. Playing one of those synths that is sent to the Hawkins family is Gemma Chan, and she is named Anita and is now Anita Hawkins. Her dynamic with the family she joins is one of the most interesting aspects of the series. The actor has appeared in Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit, on the big screen, and Sherlock on the small screen. Hi, Gemma. It's great to talk to you. And uh, so far, I'm enjoying your performance. Uh, it's really an amazing series. I want to ask you, do you think probably one of the themes of the show, of the series, is not only examining robots, but maybe our own humanity as well?
5: Definitely. I think that at the crux of the show, is it really wants to explore what makes us human and um and 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 really everything everything comes from that it's it's really about um yes, yeah, it, it explores the 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 blurring of the line between humans and machines and um it really wants to explore the human condition and uh and and yeah, it uses the framework of the show and and you know the 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 AI um in the show, and it really uses that to explore those themes um
1: and do you think that these uh these uh, since in the show do you think they have rights?
5: Well that's a very interesting question and that's a question <laughs> that is explored in the show I would say. Um, I think the show very much in terms of all of these things it, it, it doesn't um, dictate what um, the answers are um, it's just it's very much about just opening up the debate um, and, uh, and and opening up those conversations and I think uh, there, there are lots of, um, I, I would say for me, um, uh, on a personal level, and I think everyone as, as a viewer will probably get something slightly different, but I found it really interesting that you can, you can see a lot of parallels in the show between, um, and, and between the show and between real life in terms of how we treat certain people in our society as less than human. And that, um, was really interesting to me.
1: I liked, uh, the, the, kind of like her past life, what we saw, her relationship with Colin Morgan, uh, is, is that going to be explored more in the series? And also, what was it like to uh, work with him as well? Uh,
5: the relationship between Leo and Anita is definitely something that you will find out more about as you find out about Anita's history over the course of the show. Um, again, it's hard to go into specifics without going into spoiler territory. All right. Um, yeah, everything is, I would say that he has, um, the bond she has with him is something that that drives both him and her throughout the course of the show, and also um, it's it's not necessarily. I know that certain people have um, that, that things aren't necessary. It's not necessarily the bond that people. Um, it might not be predictable in terms of what um, what it, the nature of of their relationship um, is all. I'll, I'll say. Um and in terms of working with colin colin is um is a wonderful actor, and I was a you know a huge fan of his before working with him. I would just say that i I love every minute of working with him it, he's so dedicated to to the work and you know being the out- you know giving the best performance that I feel that you you yourself or I myself had to up my game whenever I had a scene with him <laughs> and yeah it was I can't really say anything negative about that i i i I loved it and i see many many more scenes with him.
1: Cool. Well, looking forward to seeing that part of the story and just uh, everything else, too. Oh, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. On a recent Everything Geek, I discussed the Geek Initiative with Justin Cavender of GeekLegacy.com and Tim Byers of TheFullBleed.net, plus Rod Faulkner of The Seventh Matrix. We talked about a nerd-off on which Indiana Jones film is better, and that's only available at the Geek Initiative.
0: A while ago, we had a crazy nerd-off as to which Indiana Jones film was the best. And uh, I thought that was a great idea to include that. And even as horrible as the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was, Amanda made some pretty solid arguments to make it sound like it's a great movie on paper. No way. I was blown away. I, I was like I was like, Wow, maybe I need to watch it again because I don't remember it being as good as this paper says it is.
1: That's oh, witchcraft.
0: No way. Yeah. That's yeah. witchcraft, man. Yeah. That does, I, that's that's funny business to me. <laughs> I know. It was. Hocus Hollywood Hocus Pocus. And uh, <laughs> I actually had The Last Crusade, so it was easy for me because I genuinely believe that that is the best one out of all of them. I and agree.
1: We agree. The man. Last Crusade?
0: Yeah. I yes. loved it. Loved, yes. it. loved
1: no, it. No way. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> that's, that's
0: a so random I, I think that movie is a total snooze fest. I can't stand it. Oh, you're
1: kidding me. No, no. no, I wouldn't say that. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I like Raiders. The Last Crusade was very good. Sean Connery and uh, and Harrison Ford together, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. There's,
0: too yeah. There's too many great scenes. There's too many great, well-done, well-timed comedic scenes in The Last Crusade. Yeah. Dude, I mean, it just puts it over the top. There's it so does. many good ones. And it's not even cheesy, it's just awesome. That's no, it's just awesome. It. Yeah. <laughs> you know like when, like he, when, they're when they're he comes to a... the door, when he comes to the door or the window and he's like and he starts beating the hell out of him. Right. And uh, and he's like, "What, well, you dad, stop it, it's me." And he's like, "Oh, I thought you were a Nazi." He's like, "Nazis use the front door." <laughs>
1: hey. That's a good point. Right. <laughs> And don't forget the tapestries, the tapestries. Right. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, that Indy,
0: yeah, I mean, he punches him out. You know, he he socks the indie socks him, and he falls out of the out of the zeppelin. He turns around to the crowd, he's like, "No ticket!" Everybody <laughs> starts pulling their tickets out. He's got so many great little scenes like that. It's it's perfect. It's yeah. a classic. Everybody shoots his own plane. He's like. Uh, Sorry, son, but they got us. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so that's one of the things that's on there.
1: You can become a member and join us. There'll be more blogs added and a lot of cool stuff as well. The URL is connectpal.com slash the geek initiative. Playing the Hawkins couple, Joe and Lara are Tom Goodman-Hill, who has appeared in the acclaimed Black Mirror series and will next be in Everest. His wife is played by Katherine Parkinson from Pirate Radio And she also has a Sherlock connection. Uh, Great. It's uh, great to talk to you guys. Um, What kind of hooked me right away is that this is a couple that's dealing with a lot of real-life issues, even though they use a sci-fi solution. But, you know, balancing career and family and and kind of knowing their roles in today's society. Can you both comment on, you know, that aspect of your characters?
6: Yeah, I think um, uh, I was very interested in... A woman who, you know, is supposed to have it all in terms of wife and career, mother to three children, but actually really feels she has nothing because she feels she's coming up short in every sphere of her life. Because I think that's something that a lot of uh, modern Western women feel. In the pursuit of uh, managing everything and having it all, they actually um, end up having none of it. And... Uh, You know, what do you give away of yourself when you delegate the responsibility uh, of reading to your child to bed? You know, you sort of think that you're passing off more menial tasks to the robot, the machine, but actually you give a bit of yourself away every time, you know, somebody else, robot or nanny, changes your child's nappy. And I I was very interested in that because obviously as a, a mother to two very young children, it was something I was thinking
2: about a lot in my own life. My children are are grown up, they're 19 and 17 years old and uh, so this show came around at exactly the right time for me because I felt like um, a lot of conversations that occur within the show reflect conversations I'd I'd had with my own teenagers when they were the age that Matty and Toby are in the show and and when you add Sophie into the mix, this eight-year-old who is wide-eyed and thrilled about the whole idea of synthetics, ethics, brings up huge questions about parenting, about how you advise your children to engage with um, subject matter online, with social media. Uh, it also throws up questions about security, mm-hmm. personal security. They're important conversations to be having because, you know, you know, my 19 year old does his own coding for his website now and and coming from two very creative parents who were not remotely tech savvy, seeing that your average 18 and 19 year olds learn to code now and they do it off their own bat and not even necessarily taught it shows you that there's a whole generation that needs to have debates about this kind of Subject and the impact it's going to have on their own family life when they become parents themselves because artificial intelligence may have a much greater role in the governance of your own life
1: and the way you uh, uh, have your own family. And would you both say that uh, that with our like, technological advances and certainly with the robots or androids in the series, that we're kind of losing a little bit of our humanity because we are advancing? Absolutely. I, definitely, I
6: mean, I'm more allergic than the average person to things like social media, for that reason, I have to say. I mean, I uh, I know that it, uh, Twitter is a great democratic tool and everything, but I'm sort of cautious about uh, anything that sort of removes you from normal human experience of looking someone in the eye. And, you know, I just sort of think it's very easy to just become a boast fest, <laughs> basically, and what does that do to us all? sorry, that's a I mean, I know it's great to publicize shows, don't get me wrong with everything. but I think things like Facebook and stuff, uh, once you take away the face to face experience it does sort of um, it it can easily become a bit more of a sort of show and tell situation where it's like, Look how great my life is but um if you are actually sitting opposite a person you'd be much more to their response, and interested,
2: perhaps, the it's weird. It's weird enough, you know. If if you could see the two of us crouching over a phone <laughs> in the corner of a hotel room, talking to someone who sounds like they might be an Alpha Centauri because you're so far away, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> ju- just that is kind of uh, is kind of strange. Um, and but at the same time, you know, uh, n- not more than a hundred years ago. No one would believe that we'd be able to be having the conversation that we're having now across great distances. And the exponential curve in technology is irresistible. And that means that you have to have debates about it now. You
6: know, if you've got something in your house that can cook better than any human, then you're not going to do much cooking. But sort of cooking and failing is... um And making bad meals is a huge part of my life, and a huge part of what makes me feel human. So I think it's pretty true. That's a good point that they're giving away some of our humanity or compromising our humanity in some way with technology, and and that we need to be aware of that.
1: Well, it's great. Just the fact that we're talking like this shows you that the show is going to have an impact, because I think it's hitting home on what's going on with us right now. I hope so. Thank you both. Thank you. William Hurt is Dr. George Millikan, who was involved in the design of the Synths. He's appeared in The Chilling Mr. Brooks, A History of Violence with Vigo Mortensen, and won Best Actor in Kiss of the Spider Woman. Pleasure to talk to you, sir. Uh, I've admired your work yeah. for a long time. Thank you. What intrigues me about this show is, in your character is that he was co-inventor of the of the, of the the Synths, but also now is in a situation where he has... Almost an emotional attachment to one of us since in Odie and then Vera comes into the picture. kind of describe to us what that those relationships are and how in your character your life has really changed because of it. Well, George
3: made a choice an important um life a life all life important choice not to go forward with uh designing sentient since what he prematurely. Uh he was involved in the engineering of the mechanics of the bodies, but not the so-called mind mm. and what he did was make a choice to remain human in the most fragile sense of the word, the most vulnerable sense of the word, because he saw something in that experience, though it was uh you know fraught with the worst any of us face the risks the risk all of us face, mortality itself of realizing the potential, or his potential as a human being. In other words, he went home and he lived with his wife. His wife passes away. Right. And then he suffers an anomaly of of cerebral malfunction, and he loses some of his memory systems, which makes Odie, who was a robotic of the fundamental sorts, not the sentient kind, in the life that he had with his wife. And he that robotic has, has all the memories, uh, of the events that took place while that robotic was part of their life. And that, that becomes George's relationship to his wife because mm-hmm. the synth, or not, in the, in synth, means synthetic, remembers all those events in, in, in rudimentary fashion. And that helps George continue the life of the life of his relationship with his wife. And that's why the emotional part, he knows that Odie is a machine. But he also is grateful to anything that helps keep his memories of his beloved alive, so he allows himself the responsible pleasure of projecting onto Odie some of the feelings but I, but, but at the same time, he, he always differentiates between real and unreal. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting question for all of us, you know, how much are we going to let ourselves feel about you know when when in fact, machinery is there to be an extension of a far more complex computer, which is the computer of our biochemistry, our our body. It's a big, big, big question. Oh <laughs> yeah, have so little time to discuss it with you.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's like the question is also: Can we, can as humans, love a machine? Love a, a machine?
3: Can really love a machine in the way that you would love a human being? Unless, and this is what I this is may sound flippant to you. But I've used it in a couple of other interviews, unless the machine becomes human. So I think that's our task. If you want to have as fulfilling a relationship with a machine as you do with a human being, then you better make sure that that machine is as fulfilled or potentially fulfilled as a human being. That would be our task. I would love to be able to spend about 10 minutes <laughs> in explaining what that means to me.
4: Yeah, I know. I know.
3: But, <laughs> but if the machine were more human, it would make sense. And so, are we going to have the audacity to make machines? Which means, of course, taking the very great risk of giving machines the capacity for suffering and surprise.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure this series is going to bring up a lot of questions like these.
3: I hope it does, and I hope it does to the American audience as it has already done so beautifully with the British. But they responded very, very loud and clear to it, and I'm, I'm hoping the Americans, uh these, we Americans.
1: Sounds great. If there's something that disturbs me about the show a little bit is with your character and Vera, it's almost like she's kind of not only running the household but running you a little bit. Kind of talk about that aspect of that and how machines on the series play into that.
3: I think it raises a big question about whether machines are going to be used to inflict a police state on us. I mean, on the people who are not competent... um, or in a, agreement with the use of them. And uh, as we, as in a free society, it is the responsibility for every civilian to resent the state over controlling individuals' existence, you know, in lots of different ways, lots of different stages of life. You know, just recently, for instance, in England, they, they, they agreed to allow three different portions of genetic coding to be included in one in vitro fertilization. Mm, yeah. and that's a law. That came up there's a lot of people who were protesting against that. But what they were trying to do was reduce you know, the the the, the fight for it which prevailed was based on an argument that said that, that there would be less likelihood of painful mutation in, in 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 the egg when fertilized because it reduced by a very large percentage the chance for mutation or handicapped. Yeah. And at the same time that 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 you know that a lot of people are going, wait a second are we going to be creating an animal husbandry state, a, a boutique genetics state, and are we allowing evolution or you know, God or to do the designing of our species? You know, there, there are huge questions about this. And when she walks in the room, she's like the stereotype of of the police state meddling in your life at a time when you're losing some of your physical capacities, but may not be losing them mentally. Yeah. You know, I think that the series is designed to raise a lot of questions. I don't think it has the presumption to answer them finally. I think this is what makes it a good series, part of what does.
1: Well, I agree. I definitely had a 1984 moment with her a little bit. Yeah, sure. It's an honor to talk to you. Uh, I mean, you're an American treasure. Your career speaks for itself, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. As we said, I wish we had more time talking to each other. He was very fascinating. Humans airs on AMC starting June 28th. Check your local listings. For Sci-Fi Talk, this is Tony Talato. Thanks for listening. I will not make any deals with you. I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered.